Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Be The Right Club Today podcast. Super excited about our next guest. He's our first non-golfer. He won 256 times in the major leagues, three-time All-Star. He won five World Series, Mr. Andy Pettit. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Hal Chase. It's it's good to be here. Andy, how's your golf game? We know you're a great pitcher, but are you a really great golfer as well? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not real good right now. Uh, it's, you know, it's so funny. I mean, you feel like you kind of got something figured out, and then the next round, it's just it's just gone. And then, you know, so uh, it's a work in progress, as, as always, you know. Um, I haven't played as much as I thought I would in retirement, and, and, but, you know, the last three or four months I've been trying to get out a little bit more, trying to play a little more weekly, uh, once a week at least. And you know how it's crazy? I mean, I'll feel real good with my driver, and then just my irons will just be terrible and just, you know, have a you know, chance to hit the green in regulation and feel like I'm a pretty good putter and you feel like you should shoot a pretty good round. And then, you know, you just end up in the sand or whatever and bogey holes. And then the next round, I'm snap hooking balls out of bounds and, you know, and I'm hitting irons good. So I'm sure y'all, you guys know, you know, that that's the story of y'all's lives, right? If hearing people say that and, and dealing with it and stuff like that. But it's fun. Love golf. and But, but the game is, is not real tight right now, that's for sure. It happens Andy, to all of us, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, did you segueing into kind of the, the parallels between golf and baseball? Did you ever feel like, um, you know, you had you obviously had days where your fastball was working better than your changeup or your curveball, but you know, basically the the ups and downs of golf. Did you feel that as a pitcher? Did you feel similar times where you had it going with with certain types of pitches, and then the other ones, you you know, very rarely were you ever on with all four or five of your pitches? Oh, for for sure, I'll tell you. Guys, I mean, I played a lot of golf whenever I was pitching. You know, being a starting pitcher in the major leagues is it's the greatest job in the world, I think, especially if you're if you if you can have some success and uh, you know, especially if you win. Uh, to have those four days off and to be able to go play golf and enjoy a big league W, as they say, is awesome. Um, but you know, I really believe there's a lot of correlations between. Uh, golf and and pitching and I believe that when I was playing golf and playing it consistently um, it really helped me on the mound Um, just because you know for me golf is so much you know feel uh, filling the putt filling your chips and 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 also especially putting for me seeing your lines and seeing you know maybe the putt before you even hit it and and when I, you know, the more I was doing that, I felt like the easier it was for me to do it during the course of a baseball game. Also, I guess, because, you know, you're practicing it so much and daily, you know, like I said, I would play two or, you know, two rounds at least in between uh, starts most of the time in my career. And I, I really feel like it helped me with the visualization side of big on visualizing my pitches. And so really felt like that really helped me an awful lot. But of course, uh, pitching, 
you know, talking to you guys right before we came on here, you know, the driver is working and, and then my irons just, are, you know, are, are not where they want, you know, where I want them to be. Uh, every game that I started almost, um, that was kind of what I weighed through during the course of an outing is what's effective today, what's working today, what do I have the best command of, um, and, and, and putting those together and, and to get big league hitters out. Um, so, you know, so that was always a, a balancing act. And very rarely do you make a start for me, especially I'm not sure how, you know, I've talked to tons of pitchers, obviously, and it seems to be pretty, you know, you know, we all kind of right there on the same playing field. You don't, you know, it's very rarely that you have every single pitch working for you that day. And, you know, those are those are games, obviously, that you're a lot more under control and, you know, a game kind of rolls, you know, right along for you. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, golf and, and baseball and especially pitching, I feel extremely similar. So, Andy, you visualized the pitch before you ever threw the pitch? I did. I did. You know, you, you, you're kind of right. You stop and think about that. And you're like, okay, well, how are you doing all of that? You know, you know, how's all that going on so fast? But it's literally, you know, I know as soon as I threw a pitch, I knew what I wanted to throw next. Um, just especially later in my career, my last seven, eight years of my career, you know, I was really calling all my pitches. When you're a younger player, you know, managers the, the catchers are kind of they're older than you right and they're like hey i've been around buddy i've been around a lot longer than you listen to me when i call something you know i know these hitters and stuff like that but there's so much tied into it as far as the commitment of a pitch if you're the pitcher standing out there you may know that the catcher or whoever is calling the game might have a great idea of what they're doing but if if they call a pitch and you just don't feel right about it it's just not the right pitch to throw because you're not going to be committed to it. So, you know, you, you want to, you know, the old saying, you know, you'd rather throw a pitch that you're committed to than, and, and it be the wrong pitch supposedly than throw the right pitch that you're kind of like, Oh, baby it, or, Oh, I'm not real sure if this, if I should throw this pitch because that, that doesn't turn out any good either. So yes, to answer your question, when I'm how, when I was going good, Man, I was seeing, you know, my fastball up and in with two strikes and getting it, beating a guy, whether I beat him with it, you know, swinging a miss or jamming him uh, or first pitch change up with runners on second and third against a real aggressive hitter that I know is trying to get after my fastball and seeing that change up fading away to a righty and that ground ball going right to Derek Jeter at shortstop for a double play to get me out of an inning and stuff like that. So seeing all that stuff, uh, I, I did it. I mean, my backdoor, you know, backdoor cutter, which was a lot of times a really tough pitch for me because if a right-handed batter is in there, it's just kind of open space over there in that batter's box. You know, usually you'll pick out a spot to throw something to, you know? So if a right-handed hitter is in there and I'm throwing it to a, you know, an open area out there, you really have to see it and zone in on something on the catcher or, or a little spot where you know you have to start that and it ends up right where you want it on the, you know, back door uh, pitch to a right-handed hitter and stuff. So it, it was, it, it took my, it took my game, my pitching to another level when I really, really started seeing 
my pitches and really, you know, focusing on visualization. And I would watch it even before my starts, you know, before my starts, two days before, just watching quality pitches over and over and over again. Um, you know, it's funny, anytime I, I do interviews like this and I start talking about it, I can still feel it. I mean, how you may feel the same way because you did it so many times. I, you know, I can still go out. I do it with my kids every once in a while. I can go out on the mound right now at 50 almost. And it's just still there. The, 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 the feel of it coming off of my fingers is still there to be able to make all my pitches kind of do what I want them to do. They're just, they're not as hard and they're not as sharp because I'm an old man now. So, uh, but it's just crazy. Well, I'll talk to you about old man. You're not quite. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it's really funny. Uh, whenever I was able to see the shot, I usually could hit the shot. If I looked out there and I just couldn't identify what I wanted to do, I was kind of in that no man's land of committed to nothing and pretty much got nothing for it. Yeah. And, and what's crazy is I'm, a, I'm an amateur as amateur to be golfer, right? And I really feel like that there's times, you know, that I kind of get in that zone of golf where I, I, I was on the mound. It's just, it's nowhere to the magnitude. But I, I, there are times where I felt like, man, I'm seeing where I want this ball to start, talking about a golf ball and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't know all the psychology behind it, but, it's, you know, there's just so much to being athletic and I think repeating your swings and stuff like that. And it just kind of, your mind kind of makes your body do what, it's telling you to, to get everything in the right position. I don't know if I'm kind of putting that all together the right way, but it's, uh, it's something pretty cool about it. Well, and especially at like Hal's level and your level with baseball, once you've done the motion enough times, like then the, then the mind starts to get in the right spot. And then a lot of times it, most of the time it becomes just the subconscious thing. Um, and you talk about how like you throw a good pitch in the fourth or fifth inning and a guy catches it just right and sends it over the left field wall. Kind of like, how through say 10 or 11 holes hits a really good shot and worst case scenario hits the flag stick goes in the water. Like obviously both situations can get the golfer rattled, can get, can get the pitcher rattled. How did you bring it back in? How did you, how did you kind of refocus? Was there, you know, one of the questions that I wrote down for later on was like sports psychologists, performance coaches. Did you work with any of those? How did you, did you have any breathing techniques? How did you, recenter the crowd's going wild you're you know you're playing you're at the red sox stadium he hits it over the, yeah. the the big green monster how did you bring it back in what were some tricks that you used that some of our golfers could kind of apply the same stuff at uh, you know on the course so one thing you just mentioned a huge part of what i was able to do to control myself and to help me was breathing yeah it, i mean literally breathing in through my nose and out my mouth was just a a huge uh, part of just what helped me just to be able to relax so much. Um, early in my career, not so much, right? It was extremely difficult to do that as a young player to learn how to handle my emotions. Um, thank the Lord. I was fortunate enough to play for the New York Yankees and I was thrown early in my career in a bunch of huge, huge games where I had huge failure. You know, I mean, I, my second year in, in, in the big league, I started game one of the World Series in, in, in 1996 against the Atlanta Braves and got knocked out of the game in the third inning and got booed off the field, you know, by my home, by my home crowd. And so 
you know, what, what better way to just learn and understand and deal with the emotions of, you know, how to be successful. Now I've got to go and pitch game five in Atlanta, you know, and, and, and in their ballpark now where they just absolutely wore me out, you know, how do you do that? And, you know, I don't think there's any secret sauce to it, really. I I mean, you have to have a short memory, right? You, you have to, you have to trust your preparation um, and trust what you've done and all the work you've put in. Um, and, and, and for me, that is really what I kind of lived on was I'm as prepared as I could possibly be. I've done everything physically, mentally that I could possibly do to be ready for this game, you know, and, then you've just done it so many times in the bullpen, you know, in games prior to it, it's just clearing your mind and not letting anything distract you. And most of the time also it's, it's like I said, it's just not being tight, trying to get your body to be able to relax. And a lot of that had to do with breathing, you know, Um, and, and, and not being scared of the moment, which is hard for, it's hard for a lot of people to do. And, you know, I I say this all the time, and anytime I talk, I have to say it, you know, my faith really played a whole lot of reasons, reason why I feel like I was successful in my career. I mean, I wasn't a high draft pick. I mean, I wasn't a hard thrower. I didn't throw one pitch in my career fastball wise where I threw it. I said, here you go, hit it right down the middle. I mean, I just didn't. I mean, you know, I think I, you know, got up to 94 maybe occasionally in my career, but I pitched around the 88 to 91 miles an hour, you know, so I was constantly trying to live on those edges and, and needed to be relaxed and relying on the movement and stuff like that. The game's changed an awful lot where it's a lot more velocity and high fastballs and everyone trying to elevate and stuff like that. So, you know, those are some of the things that I think about uh, when you ask me that question of, of, you know, what helped me, be able to relax and perform. Uh, and, and, and as I moved on in my career, obviously when you start winning games and you start winning big postseason games, there became a, a kind of a feel late in my career, even though I, I would give up, you know, I gave up runs and had games where I had some bad outings, but really, you know, you get, you start getting success and it starts rolling and, and you kind of have an air about you. You kind of feel like, as humble as I could possibly be, but you're like, I'm not getting beat tonight. You know, it has a lot to do also with my troops that I had around me too. Uh, You know, as a, if you could just minimize damage as a starting pitcher and not let your mind just go crazy out there and maybe hold that three or four run inning to a one or two run inning and get out of that jam, get back out there and get in a little bit of a rhythm, get through that game a little bit more than you would have if you'd have lost it you know, in the second or third inning and had to throw 35 or 40 pitches to get through an inning, I knew that my troops around me, man, were ready to get after it, ready to play, and we're going to rally and and score some runs and get us right back in games, you know? So, Andy, you said something that I want to go back on. You you said you learned from failure. You you said it because, you know, you didn't pitch well when they threw you in there in 96 in the first game of the World Series or whatever. So – I, too, I I preach this all the time. I learned way more from my failures than I ever did from my successes. Could you expand, you know, 
tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, I'd say the first thing just immediately is the, the whole I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, as soon as uh, Joe Torrey, you know, called me to the front of the airplane, we were flying home from Baltimore in 96. We had just clinched, you know, the ALCS against Baltimore and I just pitched game five. And I was back there just kind of, you know, my feet kicked up. I'm like, man, I'm going to be starting game four of the World Series or game three. And, you know, because we got these veteran guys and he, I'm sure it's their turn to pitch. He's going to start them game one. And he tells me, I want you to start game one. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm starting game one of the World Series. <laughs> you know, we had David Cohn and, and Jimmy Key, you know, guys that were my kind of idols that I kind of looked up to as far as pitchers. And I'm thinking those dudes should be starting, you know, I, I you know, I just got done pitching, you know? Uh, so, so anyhow, it was immediately just a bad, bad thought process for me. It was, I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, I, I, I have to make sure, you know, that, that I have a strong outing because our bullpen, you know, is, is, is maybe, you know, we don't want to shorten, you know, those guys want to be able to use those guys. And that was a big, strong part of our team and stuff. So just literally just a, a bad process. Even I remember thinking, I, I want to pitch so good because I want the fans to be so happy, you know? And when you start putting all of that stuff in your head and you start thinking about that, and, and literally, I, I mean, I don't even remember. And, and I literally felt like this the night after I pitched this game and the next day. I don't even remember what I had did. I didn't even remember the pitches that I was throwing that they were hitting. That's how bad my mind was just racing and thinking about everything else other than pitching. And so, I mean, usually I can tell you every pitch I threw during the course of a game. I, I really can. And especially, you know, a, a big home run or a sequence that, that you know, I, where I gave up a home run and, and knowing – you know, that I didn't want to do that again or make sure, you know, realizing what the hitter was trying to do against me that first at-bat just made absolutely no adjustments during the course of that game. And so it was literally, the, you know, I just remember that. I just remembered that um, that if this thing is not working correctly and you're not slowing everything down and seeing what you want to see as far as going on, now, I'm not talking about seeing around the field and seeing like that. If anybody's ever seen me pitch, my hat was pulled down, and all I wanted to know was, in my mind, I knew who was in the batter's box, but then I just wanted to see my catcher's mitt, and I wanted to see the spots on his body where I knew I was starting pitches at and stuff like that and, and just being able to visualize and see stuff like that. And so, you know, that was how – that would be the biggest thing that, that I would say that I had learned from was just – immediately just realizing how to uh, just be in the moment. And, and as soon as I take the mound, I needed to be ready to pitch. And there's nothing worse than going out and taking the mound and feeling like that you're, you're trying to throw, you're trying to throw strikes, you know, I wanted to be, you know, but, Sometimes whenever the emotions were running too high and you're overthrowing stuff, your command's not where you want it to be. And what do you do? You fall behind and then you're in a mode of trying to throw strikes. 
And that is no good when you're facing big league, when you're facing big league hitters. You know, again, I told you I'm not great off the cuff. I'm trying to think how that would maybe even, you know, correlate to golf, you know. But there's something about, you know, I was able to get in the pitcher's mode immediately than, than just – and because I was, I was under control, handling my emotions – and knowing exactly what I needed to do other than just, you know, working off almost nervous energy for the first inning or two is what I did a lot of times early in my career. So one of the things you just said there a minute ago is you pull your hat down, you only saw who, who was in the batter's box and then looking at a spot on the catcher or the mitt. So in my – to put that into golf terms, I tried to reduce the size of my world whenever my mind was thinking about all the other things that were outside, you know, whether it was rough water, whatever it was, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get control of my emotions, but whenever I would just reduce the size of my world, think about nothing other than the shot I was fixing to hit, visualize where I was going to hit it. If I could get it down to that small, I could control my emotions. And I think that's kind of what you were just saying. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and again, yes, I mean, literally it's see it and you just feel it, you know, right. see, feel it. It's exactly what I, I felt like, because like I said, whether it was back then or it was even right now after not pitching for the last eight years, eight years, the, the years and years and years of just doing it, you know, it, it, you can still, you can, I could still feel it, you know, I could still feel exactly what each pitch is supposed to feel like coming off of my fingertips. Andy, it's, it's amazing how similar what you described is what, you know, we feel how felt like our kids feel like our listeners at home feel like in tournament play when it's going bad versus good. Like just the, just the internal struggle that you have to, you know, you just kind of have to keep winning that battle. And I, I feel like my dad pitched in, in college, obviously not near the level you did. And he said the best feeling in the world was being on the mound, knowing the guy couldn't hit you, but the worst feeling on the, in the world was being on the mound and knowing you didn't have control at all. And I, I feel like sometimes that's, that's golf too. The best feeling in the world is knowing you can control the golf ball exactly how you want to. And the worst feeling is being out there and it's going all over the place and you don't, you don't know what to do. Um, yeah. One of the, one of the questions I have for you is, did you have, cause golfers talk about all the time, man, I hit it great on the range and couldn't take it to the course or I hit a terrible, terrible warm-up session, but I still played, played pretty well. Um, yeah. Did you have any, I mean, is there anything in baseball where guys joke about, you know, great warm-up sessions and couldn't get it to the, couldn't get it into live, live action or even terrible warm-up sessions and you went out and pitched your best game. Did you, did you experience any of that? Uh, all the time. And, and I, you know, I know a lot of guys do and, and, and again, just it, it seemed like that's how it worked out, which is why I even talk, you know, coach high school baseball, a little small Christian school here in Houston. And I talked to my kids, you know, and, and we just started cranking up here. And each one of my pitchers has kind of been out going out right now. I've talked to them about it. Hey, this does not even matter. You're getting loose. You're getting your mechanics, you know, kind of where you want to get them. You're starting to focus and get your mind where you need it to go. But this bullpen need, means absolutely nothing. And, and, and literally, I felt the exact same way. And, and I wish I would have learned that early in my career because it would have saved me a lot of gray hairs because I would warm up for a game and stuff wouldn't be working. 
And I would be like, what in the heck am I going to do? You know, like I got no change up or I got, I got no cutter today. It's not working. And then all of a sudden you go out there and it may not be working in the first, you know, or it may not be working in the second, but you just figure out a way to get through it. So I, you know, again, the, the, the moral of the story is your warmups don't matter. You can't duplicate when you hit off that first tee box in a big, huge tournament, right? I mean, right. the warm up, I mean, you just cannot get that adrenaline. You don't know what your body's going to do. I cannot duplicate once that hitter steps in that batter's box. I'm going to feel completely different than I just did in that warm up. And so the only thing that matters is when you step on that first tee box and you hit that ball and you figure out where you're at after that first hole as far as your swing. And same as your pitching is you get out there. You figure out, you know, where your command is first and foremost, because everything really starts with, you know, your fastball command. Um, and, and a lot of times I would be all over the place in the pen and I would get out there in the game and my focus would be near where I needed to be. And I'd be locked in as far as my command and my fastball, what I wanted, you know, what I wanted it to do. So this is kind of along the lines of what you were just talking about. Mechanics are really pretty important in golf, but, you know, you can't take mechanics out there on every golf swing. Yeah. Did you ever think about mechanics while you were on the mound? Well, you know, I, I was – you asked that, you know, like – because obviously there's times where you're all over the place too, and you're like, what in the heck? I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And so it's so hard to think about. If, if you were working on, let's say – you know, your front side, getting it a little bit lower, you know, because I was a real high front side guy with my front side when I would throw a pitch. Uh, you know, to do that in a big league game when you're trying to compete is so hard. So the, the, the biggest thing that I always, you know, would try to do when I would just try to make an adjustment is I would really just think about my lines because I feel like pitching for me was so much – angles you know because I wasn't just throwing fastballs and right down the middle and elevating and trying to beat people I'm trying to create angles of how to get off the barrel of the bat you know <laughs> so in golf we're trying to hit the sweet spot of the club right well as a pitcher I'm trying to create the angle of missing the sweet spot on the baseball bat. It's probably about that big, you know? And so I needed to hit off on this end or jam the guy, you know, and the ball wouldn't be hit hard. And so I was trying to create those angles. And I always just thought about just trying to be smaller, trying to be tighter, trying to just, I had a tendency to get big. And I really feel like that, coordinates a lot to my to my golf swing also I have a tendency to get real big on my backswing and get long and I feel like when that starts going crazy not all the time but I feel like sometimes it actually helps me when I think about shorten up keep your head still you know just little simple things and that's kind of the things that I thought about when I would pitch you know keep your head on line a little bit better on this pitch instead of kind of coming off you know or pulling off line because as you're going down the mound, you know, when you start creating, you know, movement with your body and stuff like that, it makes the stuff get a little bit offline. So I really just tried to think about little simple things like that um, instead of thinking about big things, you, you, you know. Um, so those are things that I feel like really kind of helped me kind of get back in line. And it's crazy because if you can kind of weather the storm, just like in golf, I'm sure how you weathered the storm 
you know, you can get through that third and fourth and you feel like, oh, gosh, I'm about to get knocked out of the game. But then all of a sudden something clicks, you know, all of a sudden you got a good feel for your changeup, you know, and you're able to end up, you look up and you're in the seventh, eighth inning now all of a sudden. Uh, so it's uh, such a, it's such a mind game. It's such a mind battle. I mean, how, you know, as well as anybody, it, 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 your mind is a powerful, powerful weapon. And boy, that thing, that thing, you got to keep it going and keeping it moving in the right direction and, 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 and control the emotions also. I mean, obviously pitching is, is physical also. I know as a young player, I would come into dugouts a lot of times and I would be so mad and so angry and just, I would almost wear myself out as a young player in between innings, whether it was going up to the clubhouse and wrestling with the, the laundry basket or something, you know, it, you, you start learning just to, to kind of come in and chill in between innings. Maybe after a bad shot, you know, you might lose your cool walking down the fairway or whatever. But the, the more you go, the more you do it, you realize all that wasted energy is not going to help you when it comes down to, you know, finishing the round off or pitching into the sixth, seventh, eighth inning. Uh, you know, you become a lot smarter. Oh, I may ask the dumbest baseball question in the world, but I'm, <laughs> I, I'll own it if I do, okay? So, <laughs> no, no. did your body lead your arm or did your arm lead your body? Or was it sometimes both? I would say that I almost felt like my, my backside – led almost everything in my body my front side was kind of just like my steering wheel I let's say as pitchers would call it um and then everything would kind of fire off from the back side for me um you know that's kind of how I feel like pitching you know pitching works you know so it's literally just you know for me balance point drive home and your 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 front shoulders are steering wheel and then the back side fires off and I would just think about a whip my arm was just a whip nice and relaxed whip coming through um so didn't really think I had a whole lot of my front side involved obviously I, you wanted a a strong I wanted a strong front side as far as keeping my arm up high like I said I was kind of a high front shoulder guy I think that really, I don't think I know because so many hitters told me that was a big deception for me because I wasn't a hard thrower, but my 88, 89 guys told me kind of look like 91, 92 because the way that my front side worked and then all of a sudden the back side whipped through and it kind of, you see all these arms, I guess, the arms moving and as a hitter, you're seeing all that stuff coming at you. I only ask that question because there's always the debate of the rotation of the body and the golf swing and how involved the arms are. And at yeah. times I felt like my body was leading my arms. And then at other times I felt like I had to slow my body down to let my arms get in front of me. And I just wondered if it related to baseball, your pitching in any sort of way. Yeah. Well, a hundred percent our, the way we're made pitchers wise, right. And to generate the velocity that we do, what you just said is exactly how we have to generate, right? So our lower half has to go um, and land. And then hopefully 
post up on that front leg. And then the velocity comes from the torque of my torso whipping around and, and coming around that front side of the hip. So it's really, it's definitely a lot. I mean, it's a, the correlation to pitching and, and hitting is very similar. I think how you tell me, Chase, y'all tell me, you're supposed to kind of stiffen up on that front leg as, as you're hitting your golf ball, right? And, and your body kind of comes around on the front side or, you know, around like that also. Yeah. yeah, for sure. There's there's definitely some correlations in the way the weight moves and shifts and yeah. all that stuff. I would say that with with golf, it's probably earlier. The trans the transitions maybe a touch earlier, but it's it's it probably lasts longer too. Uh, you because we've got to stay in our tilts to get down to the ground where baseball guys can stay and tilt back a little bit more or whatnot. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I mean, lots of good baseball players come in here. I mean, most of them fight slices because they never had to square up a club face they just had to get the barrel of the bat on the ball right but and so the, yeah. the the wrist angles are a little different but but the overall like kinematic sequence kinetic sequence is all very 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 similar and it's interesting like my background's in 3d and and the golfing world has been in on all the technology for a long time and now i think the baseball world's starting to catch up a little bit you guys are starting to look at more technology and looking at arm angles and to see one people's propensity for injuries, right? Too much external or too much of this can cause, you know, as you know, Tommy John and all that stuff. Um, but it's, it's, they're definitely overall similar, similar movements, similar torques, similar um, ways to create power would be what I'd say. Um, quick, quick follow up on the mechanics question or the mechanics talk. You said your lead side gets too high. So let's say you're in the middle of the sixth or seventh inning, you're late, late in your, your, your outing and you can feel yourself getting a little high. So you're going to get through that. You're going to get through that outing. And then you've got four or five or six days before your next outing. Did you go about working on staying a little bit lower or trying to change the motion while you were in your off days? How did you, how did you get yourself back on track a little bit? Yeah. So that would just be something that we would, we'd work on, you know, during our bullpens that that was a lot of time. The biggest thing that I really had to work on a lot of times for me was when I would go so high, obviously the, the the shoulders and arms kind of work together and as I as I went high um, my arm went back and went lower and which you know sometimes you I'll watch video and like I'm almost touching the dirt back behind me with the baseball and of course when you're that long it, 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 it takes forever for your arm to catch up, right? So everything's up and away, everything's up and away. So then you start thinking about shortening the backswing, right? For me, my, my so shortening up my arm side, takeaway. And so that was really, I kind of said the front side, but most of the time when I fixed my, whenever I would fix that issue, it was more fixing my backside, you know? So I, I, I wanted to time up, my backside and not mess too much with my front side. Um, so that was usually the adjustment that, that I, that I had made the, the, the front side for me was when I try to throw a certain pitch inside fastball to right-handers, you know, I, I would have a tendency to get quick because I felt like that if I went quick and pulled really hard, that then I'm really going to get that ball in there and drive it in there to a right-handed hitter. I'm a left-handed pitcher, right? And so I'm trying to, that's the hard side of the plate for me to, when you know, to command. 
because it's my glove side and I got to get all the way out there and get extension to get there. Arm side's usually real easy because it's just, it's just right there. You don't have to get quite as far and get out in front and over my front side quite as good. So it's really just, again, controlling my emotions and realizing that 88 timed up and me over my front side and mechanically right where I want to be is way better than 91 overthrown that because my arm was a little late leaks back over the middle of the plate, home run, double in the gap, you know? And so it's again, controlling everything, breathing and relaxing because I know that's a scary pitch. (laughs) I know that when you go in there to that right-handed hitter, that if it's not good and it's not in, it's going to be damaged, you know, but you also know you have to pitch in as a big league pitcher, because if you just stay away, just guys will just absolutely wear you out, you know? Um, So that's that was the biggest thing for me was a lot of times just working on repetition and it's just over and over and over and over, you know, it's just getting the ball out of your glove and making sure you get it up. And then it's just like, if you have runners on base, that, I'm talking kind of that was out of the windup. When runners are on base, if you try a slide step, which, you know, if you have a guy that's going to steal on you or something like that, you got to be a little quicker. Then you got to get the ball out of your glove even faster and get it up. Or, or it's going to be late again, you know? So that's why you see so many guys, you know, a lot of people struggle with runners in scoring position and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's, it's difficult. And that's why you see your elite pitchers they're able to make big pitches in big situations is because they're able to control themselves and, and time everything up where a lot of guys can't, can't do it quite as successfully. So I know you're on a tight schedule here, Andy. I want to ask you a question real quick. You've been retired for eight years. Uh, do you watch baseball at all? I, I do. I do. I, I enjoy watching it. Um, I don't, I don't get to watch it like I thought I would because I'm coaching. And, and so, but I enjoy watching it. I'm really, I really try to watch a lot of, of college baseball. My kids, you know, my, my second son, since I retired, my, my oldest son went to the University of uh, Rice University and played at Baylor. Um, he's out, out in the real world now working. My second son went to the University of Houston and played one year at Dallas Baptist. He's a pitcher and He's in the Florida Marlins organization. He left on Saturday to go to spring training. And so, you know, now I'm watching Dallas Baptist baseball because he was there last year and they went to a super regional. I know a bunch of kids on the team. And then my youngest son just committed to go to Dallas Baptist to play baseball as a two-way player, pitcher, and a hitter. And so we, we, you know, I'm trying to keep up, try to keep up with those teams and stuff like that. I'm still real involved with the Yankees. Uh, Spend a lot of time a lot of Zoom calls with a lot of their players, a lot of their pitching staff and stuff like that. I've got a great relationship uh, with all those guys and, and Aaron Boone and the staff and the Steinberg family has been wonderful to me. And so uh, that, that's, you know, that's what I've been doing. That's awesome. Uh, we really appreciate you being on, Andy. I know uh, you're a busy man and uh, uh, you're helping the youth at Second Baptist here in Houston and trying to make them be uh, great citizens and followers of the Lord and uh, good baseball players on top of that. I hope so. We're trying. We're trying to. Trying to get them right, that's for sure. Yeah. We appreciate you being on Be the Right Club today. 
You bet, man. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great rest of the day. Thank you, Andy. Be the right club today. Yes!